Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by FitPlan. The world's best personal trainers at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. To learn more, head to fitplanapp.com and start your free trial today. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Stagrack, uh, Levi uh, Lewandowski. Levi, what's going on? Not much, man. Just enjoying life over here in Seattle. Loving it. Um, all right, so for the listener that's never heard of Stagrack, how would you best describe it to them? So, so kind of we created Stagrack for people like ourselves, the co-founders that you know, are urbanites, but that love getting away, whether it's after work, you know, hitting up the mountain or maybe a long weekend. Um, so it's kind of a way of using your regular commuter car um, that, you know, serves you well in the nine to five living in the city to be able to go out and enjoy, you know, different sports and whether it's biking or snowboarding. So it's an interchangeable rack um, that's just easy and convenient to put on just about any car. Yeah, I mean, that solves a pretty big problem like like you said you're an urbanite that likes to get out into the backcountry with with my team we're based two of us are based in new york and so we're constantly making trips <laughs> all over yeah. the place you know what i'm saying and when i when i recently i bought my car they're like all right it's going to be an extra 1800 bucks to put the bars on the roof of your car so that you can put some kind of rack on there i was like what <laughs> right yeah you know what i mean and like being able to avoid that and just be like yeah don't worry about it you don't have to put anything on it like that would be such a a great money saver and just convenient so that i can obviously interchange from from my ski um rack to bike rack or whatever um so it's definitely an interesting idea i'm kind of surprised that no one's actually done this before yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things of I graduated college, moved to Seattle, and I drive a Mazda 3, which is kind of the epitome of a car that is not built for a roof rack and um, can't put a snowboard in the back of the trunk or anything like that. Um, so I just started Googling kind of, you know, what solutions are out there so I can go snowboarding after work quickly in the evenings or, you know, just kind of explore. And, uh, you know, there just wasn't a lot. So it's kind of one of those scratch your own itch kind of ideas. And it just kind of grew from there, I guess. That's interesting. Now, um, the three of you. So there's three of you behind it. It's you, Joey, and Matt. You're originally yeah. from Portland, but the three of you kind of spread out a bit. You're in Seattle. Joey's in L.A., and Matt stayed in Portland. 
How did you go about developing this product and really building something that's pretty technical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think the early sketches and kind of the earliest form of prototyping started months and months ago. And that was just from, you know, supplying like the vacuum cups, which is really the, the sturdy base that, you know, if you don't get those right, then the whole rack is just going to be kind of obsolete. So, so really started sourcing those vacuum cups, doing a lot of testing just on their own, um, whether it's, you know, how long do they last? What's their pull strength? Uh, you know, different conditions, wet, frozen, dusty, windy, you know, just everything like seeing the capabilities of these before we put our stamp of approval on it. So that was kind of the first part. And that could have been done anywhere. Um, and then once we actually started like getting our hands dirty and building the actual physical product, um, luckily Matt's kind of the, the engineer type. He's the handyman that's on the team. So him being in Portland and me being up in Seattle, it was, it was super easy because I'm already down there plenty much as is um, to just go down, see the product, like, you know, get ideas, source new parts, and then just really keep kind of trying to finally, um, you know, do new iterations to just kind of chip away at little problems until um, I would say right now we're at a pretty great pro product and we still have a couple of little things to do before Kickstarter. That's so interesting. So what's the, like, what did you said? Pull strength. Um, you know, so how, how, how big of a bike can I fit on my roof rack or how, how many pairs of skis until, or would it be an issue in any sort of like environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, so as far as bikes, that's pretty standard. So, so we have the nine millimeter quick release, but we also have, you know, every converter under the sun. So, um, you know, if you have a through axle or a 12 millimeter or, you know, whatever it is you need, there's different conversions like that, but it holds two bikes. Um, and then as far as snowboards, you can fit four snowboards as long as you stack a couple high, um, or you can fit, I believe it's eight pairs of skis. Um, so we're making it wide enough that you can, you know, pack the car, all four seats, and then get up to the mountain. Now, obviously in developing this, the, one of the most important pieces to it is the, is the fact that this, the uh, suction cups or whatever you technically call them stay yeah. on when you're driving long distances and in all mm -hmm. conditions. Was there anything along that process that sort of like, stood out or was a challenge to make sure that it really could hold up? Um, so I think the one thing that in creating this product, we realized that, you know, even if we have all the trust in the world in these cups, um, you know, as far as different cars and different shapes and, you know, the, just the different ways that people are going to be installing this rack, we, we have to make it very clear kind of the expectations of um, like uh, where to put the cups, how long you can drive before you should get out and probably check them. Um, so just trying to be as clear as possible as, you know, these are the capabilities and, you know, if you stick to these capabilities, it's going to work great, but like, don't try and push it. Don't like have a super dirty car and throw it on top. Like, you know, there's just little steps like wiping it down or, um, or checking every like three to five hours to make sure that the seal is still good. So, so things like that, we're just having to find really good ways of communicating. So that way it's not missed. And, um, because it is very important to us, you know, that your thousand dollar bike and, and all this good gear is taken care of. So, so that's kind of the utmost importance to us. But as far as, you know, kind of discoveries that we've had, um, we just recently actually went through a, a prototype change as far as the kind of the overall design. Um, we used to have four cups across and then just through different strength testing and stuff, we realized that um, the design just wasn't as strong as it could be. So we actually uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but we kind of staggered the cup so that way there's more front to back pull strength. Um, so that way, basically any angle, you know, whether you're turning quickly or, you know, even up there pulling on the rack, like there's just more pull strength in any direction. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the last thing someone wants is their $1,300 bike climbing Yo, off the absolutely. roof while they're on the highway. Yeah, and I mean, we're no different than, than you, So, and that's kind of the thing. Like, I want it to take care of my bike, so absolutely. That's interesting. So you've been working on this for a little over a year now at this point? Yeah, right around there. And uh, you're getting to that point where you're, you're ready to do your first production run. So you guys are looking to, to kick off the Kickstarter campaign uh, in early October, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So what made you guys decide to go the Kickstarter route? Yeah, so I, I actually have this super great mentor that has done a few different Kickstarter launches before. And um, we were kind of debating between like the pre-order kind of you know business model of raising capital up front and the Kickstarter. And I think the one thing that really was kind of the selling point was just kind of you can rally behind a Kickstarter and it's such a momentum shift when you know you're collecting these emails up front, you're doing all the dirty work, you're getting a good email list, you know, you're building a social following. And then once you actually press launch and you start to see the money come in and hopefully at a pretty steady rate, um, it's just a lot of momentum that kind of gains more attention and also can help, you know, really just blast this first kind of production system and and then keep up the numbers so it can really you know get going full time as opposed to like a pre-launch program where there never really is a big like hoorah we're starting it it seems a little bit more over time and kind of a slower progression that's definitely true so what what is your plan what what is your marketing strategy to make sure that you maximize the kickstarter when it launches yeah so so like i was saying we've been collecting the emails up front of people that are um excited about the product and we've been doing that for a few months and something we've been trying to do as far as you know so they don't just get an email up front saying hey you're signed up for the pre-launch program you know we'll, we'll be selling it soon we've been we've been putting out you know weekly emails and typically they'll contain like votes for you know what color do you want it what features are important to you like what questions do you have for us to make sure that you know as our earliest kind of um, entrance and our first supporters that we're making a product that's perfectly fit for them. So that's how we actually came up with the bike and ski attachments is the first two was just from interviewing people that were interested in the product and, and seeing that, you know, for a good first two production line, like those were the two that people wanted and then the future racks and in the future will be voted upon as well. So, so that's kind of one thing is just really being really close with um, people that either through social or either know us in person have just become you know interested in the product and super supportive um and then we're also working pretty hard on cross promotions you know pr just places that the more urls feeding into your kickstarter it just like i was talking about the momentum it really can just take you to the next level as far as it just exposure social media ads anything like that um is super important to us Want to run further, climb higher, develop the strengths you never knew you had? Up the ante on your fitness routine with FitPlan, the personal training app that gives you the exact workout regimen of world-class athletes, trainers, and bodybuilders. Get the step-by-step instruction from pros like triathlete Brandon Brazier, plant-based bodybuilder Misha Jenyak, and international fitness competitor Michelle Lewin. Sweat through football drills with NFL wide receiver Marcus Lee and sculpt your entire physique with global fitness icon Jen Selter. Choose from over 30 fit plans for strength training, full body conditioning, hit and even Zumba. Work out at the gym, at home, or even the great outdoors. Download FitPlan on iOS or Android and start training for free. 
Definitely. So we were talking about this before we started recording. You're, you're, you're thinking your goal is going to be somewhere between twenty and 25000 um, for the Kickstarter. Um, do you have like a threshold of email subscribers that you're going to try and get to that you think will really help you guys get to that goal quickly? Yeah. So, so we are somewhere or I haven't checked in the last like two days, but I think we're somewhere around like 170 emails right now as far as in the pre-launch. Um, and I think our goal is getting somewhere around 300, which we're pretty confident in leading up to the launch of people that have, you know, these aren't just like random emails that we collect, but these are people that have gone onto our website, checked out the product, said, you know, I'm interested and, you know, I want to be one of the earliest people to get this on the Kickstarter. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. One of the the key differentiators for a lot of people that I've talked to that have run Kickstarters is, yeah. is the, the quality and size of the email list. Those two pieces um, were such a big determinant in the success of the campaign. And, you know, one of the, one of the strategies is to try and get the campaign funded within the first like 24 to 48 hours so that it like mm-hmm. really just gains that momentum. Um, and it's always interesting hearing all the different strategies and things that, uh, people are doing to really maximize that, um, that launch. Yeah, it really is. As far as, you know, Facebook and their advertising algorithms, you know, Kickstarter is kind of the same way as far as, like you said, like 48 hours is as, as far as our team, that's kind of what we see is not the drop dead date, but like you kind of have those first two days to really make a solid impact and get the ball rolling or else it's an uphill battle from there. Oh, definitely. Okay. So taking a little bit of a pivot with the three of you, obviously since you're pre Kickstarter, you guys still have full-time jobs. What's that been like managing your day to day with your normal obligations and then also, you know, building this business at night? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a lot of time, but, um, luckily it's in an industry and it's a product and stuff that I'm super interested in. Cause I know that's, that's kind of what people always say is, you know, do something that you're interested in. Don't just join an industry just cause there's money potential. And I can say that after about a year of pulling late nights and early mornings like this and, and stuff like that, like I'm so glad to be in an industry cause you know, I just love mountain biking and snowboarding and stuff like that. So, so it doesn't feel like a burden, which is great. Um, but I know it is a lot of time commitment. I am constantly calling my, my teammates, you know, late nights cause all of us get home from work pretty late. Um, so, uh, doing that even first thing in the morning, I'll shoot off some texts before driving to work. Um, so that's been, that's been kind of an interesting, interesting place to be. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's also very different than my day job. So it kind of pulls on different strengths of mine, which is fun. Yeah, I bet it's, uh, <laughs> It's so much more challenging than you think until you get into it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, well, what's been some of the hardest parts about getting um, Stag Rack off the ground? Yeah, um, I would say, and I think you touched on this earlier, was the three of us, the partners being in different cities. I mean, we, we found a way to work around it, but it's definitely still harder when we can't all be holding the rack at the same time and pointing out you know, little features and stuff like that. So. So that's kind of been one of them. Um, and then a second one is um, we've one of the biggest questions that we get when whenever we're showing pictures or someone's on our Instagram or anything is, you know, how do we ensure that this rack isn't going to fly off? Um, and so we've been trying to kind of take that because we've heard it time and time again. We know like that's everyone's number one question, like even myself coming in, like that would be my same question. And so as far as we're trying to turn that 
kind of doubt an early question into like a selling point. So actually, we have our Kickstarter uh, video shoot next weekend, um, and we're going to be doing a couple different side videos as well, kind of in part of that whole shooting process. And we're hoping to, instead of just keep saying like, you know, it has 1600 pound pull strength and throwing facts at you, we find it, it's a little easier to just kind of show people the strength and show people the capability. So we have some fun video ideas that are going to kind of pull on the, the lightness of, you know, kind of the brand and who we are as founders, but also show you know, just how strong it really is and what it can endure. So um, so that's one thing that hopefully will no longer be a strength after we do, you know, some rigorous tests and get it on, t- on footage. And can you share with the audience some of the, the crazy ideas <laughs> you guys have to show the strength of it? Yeah, so I think one of them that we're going to be doing is we're going to start driving up to the mountain. And obviously this time of year, there's not a lot of snow, but um, we're just going to have one of my buddies like decked out in snow gear, you know, helmet, goggles, jacket, the full nine, just sitting on top of the rack, um, holding a snowboard and start driving up to the mountain that way. So so just to show, you know, that extra strength. And and it also is kind of a lighter video um, as far as it kind of viewership and stuff is kind of silly. So um, it kind of plays in well, and it's a little bit more interesting than just showing us, you know, sitting there pulling on the rack. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, what would you say is your greatest fear and how do you manage it in regards to stag rack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think I, so far I've been trying to kind of not focus on, you know, what are the, what are the negatives or what am I kind of nervous about? Um, but I think, I think the thing that I take the most important and could turn into a fear is, you know, say you have a successful Kickstarter, you have a lump sum of money that comes through and you have a kind of an allotted amount of time before you have to get a product out the door. And um, I guess kind of a fear of mine and also something, you know, you just want to start preparing for is, you know, week one, if something goes wrong or, you know, if a supplier falls through or something comes wrong is, you know, how do you kind of mitigate those, those problems? And, um, because every Kickstarter success story I've read, you know, something's going to go wrong in the first the first time of production. So um, I guess just trying to kind of foresee those, at least to a certain extent, and also, you know, just kind of be wise with how you're spending money. So that way you don't run out and still have parts missing. So so I think that's something that's kind of a fear and also something that, you know, just needs a lot of attention. And um, I know it'll be it'll be a hectic time right after, you know, the successful Kickstarter. So um, but it should be fun. That's for sure. I think one of the biggest um, issues or, or mistakes that um, brands that we've worked with is always underestimating how long it would take to deliver the product uh, mm-hmm. to the consumer, which I'm always like, mm, that's so interesting. Because it's like you spend so much time before it, like really getting into it and mapping it out. It's, it's not like you're not like really diving into it and like for some reason just something goes wrong and you're like a month late (laughs) you know yeah and it's just things you just cannot see coming yeah you see that plenty often as far as through those updates like like someone saying that it's going to be a little delayed so What, what kind of advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business whether it was in the outdoor industry or really just a business in general yeah i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna start bootstrapping like like we have and keep your day job i think um, something that I had to do like with family and girlfriend and, you know, just all, all of those people near and dear to me was just kind of set the expectation of like, you know, this is a second job on top of my already, you know, pretty strenuous job. So, um, just making the expectation that, you know, budget wise, time wise, everything's going to be a little bit tighter. Um, so that's something I would say 
just get it out in the open early on. Um, don't wait until, you know, six months in and you're just pulling your hair out to start, you know, discussing that. Um, and then the other one is, I mean, through Kickstarter and, and the ways that you can crowdfund today, I mean, there's almost just no reason not to, because I mean, if people don't like your idea and they don't buy it, then you're not out any money. And I think that's huge. And, you know, just today's kind of business world is you can go and you can test these products and, you know, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell and you can go back to the drawing board. But um, so it's it's kind of easier than ever. And especially with these social platforms to really, you know, get a crowdfunding site up and uh, try to raise some awareness around your product. Yeah, definitely. So where do you see Stagrack in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Yeah, well, uh, to start, we're kind of kind of targeting the Pacific Northwest, um, kind of multi-sport athlete, um, just to stay as concentrated and focused as possible. But um, in the next year, five years, we see it obviously going a little bit uh, wider across the U.S. as far as kind of our home consumer base. Um, and then another big thing that we've discussed with a lot of our you know earliest supporters and stuff is um, once the production systems are in place uh, where we're just manufacturing really efficiently these two sport attachments, we would love to start throwing in additional attachments. And so whether that's like a roof box, whether it's kayak, surfboard, I mean, there's a lot of different attachments you could put on the universal base that I think would get our, our supporters pretty, pretty amped and also kind of open new markets and new you know, demographics of people across the U.S. that'd be interested in the product. Um, so that's definitely something we see in the next, hopefully even like 12 months. That's not five years out. Um, and then five years out. Yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, but I, I guess getting more into kind of the retail chains, we'll get off of just our own platform and um, hopefully make it more of uh, a widespread product that can be, you know, readily purchased out of a box just about anywhere. That's really exciting to see all the uh, the cool variations and ways in which people can really utilize the rack for all the different activities. Um, what's the best part about running uh, Stag Rack? Yeah, I think kind of the ownership piece, um, and I, I don't mean financially at all, but I mean like, you know, at the end of the day, if a decision is made and it works, you know, you kind of celebrate that victory. And if you make a decision and it doesn't work, you have to just kind of go back to the drawing board. So. And I think that's as far as kind of my my work style and stuff, I really like, you know, being results driven and having ownership over what's going on. So um, so I, I love that aspect where, you know, if I create a let's say an Instagram ad and it's running well, like I get pumped about that. And let's say I create an ad that, you know, I spent a bunch of money and no one clicked on it, then um, it, it you know, that's money out of my pocket. I just wasted. So it makes me want to get better. And I think that's something that's super exciting to me. And. Um, it's also just fun, you know, to be in an industry that I'm, I'm so passionate about, like being snowboarder and biker and, you know, Joey's a big time, uh, surfboarder and he, he actually won state for the state of Oregon for snowboarding. Um, so he's a big outdoorsy guy as well. Um, so it's fun to just be able to get out and start asking, you know, athletes and bike shop owners and just people about the product and, you know, just have those genuine conversations about something that, you know, mutual interest. Oh, that's for sure. Being able to do something that you love or creating a business in an area that you love is, it's so worthwhile. And being outside is just, it makes you so much happier, even though when you start a business, you're stuck inside, <laughs> at least for the first couple of years. Yeah, um, absolutely. Maybe a little less if you're lucky. Um, but with that, Levi, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, share your story about Stag Rack. Now, for anyone that's listening that wants to 
support the Kickstarter, really follow along with um, everything you guys have going on? Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so we, we run most of our social kind of following through Instagram, actually. We found with the demographic, we've just had more of a following. So that would be at, the, at Stagrack, as easy as it sounds, S-T-A-G-R-A-C-K. Um, and then our website is the same thing, www.stagrack.com. And that's where you can find a little bit more you know, detailed information about the product, a little bit more about the team. Um, and then you can also sign up for the pre-launch program, which will give you discount, voting rights, um, chance to live, win some lift tickets. So, um, so yeah, almost everything's on the website. Definitely. We'll get all that linked up in the show notes for anyone listening that wants to check that out. And for anyone listening between August 14th and September 12th, we're actually going to be giving away a future stag rack, um, along with a ton of other bike related gear. Um, so if you want to head over to redyeti.com uh, for your chance to win with that, Levi, thanks again so much for coming on the uh the podcast i know you're super busy with the the day job and getting everything ready for the launch yeah absolutely thanks for having me if you enjoyed today's podcast episode then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to itunes and leave us a quick review this really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself and if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode then please share it along well, that wraps up this episode of the ready Day podcast we'll catch you guys next week